Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, the show dedicated to the private investor, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. We want to show you how to cross the divide from residential investing over to commercial property investing. Through interviews, tips and lessons learned, we share experiences of investing and give you the inspiration, knowledge and confidence to enjoy this great cash flowing strategy. So let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. I want to do something a little bit different today. During each month, we have various sessions with our CPI Network members. One of those sessions is with previous podcast guests, where we invite them back to do a private Q&A. This is a chance for members to ask questions that maybe I should have asked in the original interview, but also questions that are relevant to projects they're dealing with right then. So they get a chance to talk directly to the guest and really get much more in-depth information. Now, in a recent session, we had Roger back in from Anderson Smith Insurance, and I just thought some of the detail we covered in the first half of this session was really important. So I'd like to share it with you. I'm not going to share the full hour with you. It's just I'm going to give you a sneaky peek, really, a half-hour section where most of the questions, if not all the questions, are from me, but we cover quite a few topics. And I think it's important to understand how the market's changed in the insurance for us as commercial developers and how cash flow can be affected and premiums can be affected depending on what stage of the project you're at whether that is the initial stage where maybe it's vacant then the messy stage when you're redeveloping it partial completion or partial occupancy and then full occupancy and all these have an effect on the premiums so roger went into a lot of that on this session i just thought you know what i'm going to share that with you so let's dive in thanks so much for joining us roger what I was hoping was that you could maybe just give us uh, an update on the market, mm-hmm. commercial insurance, and then I thought the areas that people maybe are a little bit less aware of are the different stages and what that, the impact it has on cash flow. So as an example, when you're looking at buying a building, before you've even got to the stage of you know, agreeing contracts and everything else is actually understanding what the insurance implications are of the property. Mm-hmm. Then once you've bought it, there's a development phase. Yep. There's a completely vacant phase sometimes. And then as you fill it up, there's partial vacancy. And it's just mm-hmm. really, I think people don't always comprehend the fact that actually, number one, it's not always easy to get insurance. Number two, when you do then get a building, Actually, there are different stages where the insurance costs will alter and yep. the number of people in the market that will actually insure it. So, so first, yeah. first things first was maybe you could just give us a, a wee summary where the market is. We can then go through some of those topics and then go to Q&A. Perfect. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> the market's probably 
similar to has been in the last year or so where insurance companies had it really good. Um, There was no natural disasters. There was no wars in Europe. There were no, was no COVID pandemics. All that sort of thing didn't happen for, well, a long period of time. I'm not saying long, but the, it all then happened within the space of two or three years uh, and throw Brexit into the uh, equation too. So that, 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 puts the fear into financial financial institutes like insurance companies. Yep. So we're, we're, we're now in what you would refer to as a hard market, and it has remained hard for a little while. What that basically means is that insurers have, have had it really good, uh, risks that they wouldn't necessarily have been that keen on, but let's take a punt, punt on it in the past. These, these risks nowadays are very heavily underwritten and a far more cautious approach taken to underwriting um, and unfortunately vacant properties um, properties undergoing works falls right under that under those brackets but that's not to say we can't place them um, you're running the mill everyday household names like Avivas, Axes, Alliances these guys have shied away they're they're the big guys so they, they set the precedent but they've shied yep. away from all these things so it's maybe some more unfamiliar names in the market that we are having to approach, who are providing capacity, who are being a little bit more adventurous and ultimately filling a gap that wasn't there in the past, but is now. Uh, and very and in, uh, the, the oddity that is the insurance market, you may find that if you approach us for a quote, we'll get a quote from what seems like an obscure market to uh, somebody that's not in the insurance industry. Um, it's familiar to us. And somewhere in the background, there may be an Aviva, there may be a, an Allianz, there may be somebody behind the scenes that is actually underwriting that facility for these smaller companies. So yeah. it's all very convoluted and, and incestuous. But um, yeah, generally, it's it's more unfamiliar names that we're having to deal with. And like you said before, the underwriting that occurs is, is, is much more stringent. And yeah. they ask a lot more questions. So timing, information, and getting the full picture of what's happening with the property, what's going to happen going forward with the property, and then your tenancy, hopefully, at, that, at the end. As you, as you rightly said, um, yeah, there's different phases of insuring a property, depending on what you want to do with it. So hopefully that gives a, a little flavor of, 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 of what the market looks like at the moment. And on top of that, I should probably say as well that whilst insurers are cautious, that also has a knock-on effect then to premiums um, yep. because they'll just not be quite as flexible with premiums as they have done in the past and, and take, take the, those extra risks that they might have taken in the past. So uh, premiums can be uh, it's the same as everything, I suppose, in today's society. Nothing's as cheap as it was three, five years ago, so insurance is no different to that, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah if you want to put on finance over a period of time, it's going to cost you more from that point of view. Exactly, yeah, but that's always an option as well as you were talking about cash flow and that, so... You know, month, monthly instalments is always a, a popular uh, option. Okay. And one of the things that Ross alluded to the other day was that because it is becoming a bit more challenging, is the time, the time yes. frame you maybe need. So if somebody's looking at a property and, 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 and invariably insurance gets talked about mm-hmm. because the lawyer says, by the way, have you got this organized? Or indeed, if it's a financial institution lending money, they're the ones that are saying, right, yeah. we need the insurance. Like, okay. Oh, shoot. Right. Deal dates yeah. tomorrow, uh, Roger. Can you get some cover? So, I mean, what's the time frame now? We, we need we need a few weeks at least. 
the more the merrier. Uh, we, don't worry, we still get people phoning up. I had somebody last Friday afternoon saying they're buying a little, it was just a little cottage that they were uh, going to renovate and rent out uh, to a family member. Uh, she for, completely forgot about it. One of the last things that came along, she got the painter decorator, all the, the, the trades organised, and then, oh, uh, I forgot about insurance. So we had to arrange insurance within hours. But thankfully, it was a small cottage. It wasn't anything uh, that was too risky. Um, yes. But to give you an idea what how we approach the market is that we've we've done this quite a bit. A lot of your uh, your people as well, Jerry, that we've we've have helped along the way, along the way. So we collect information about the property, about its construction. Um, one of the key things that we need and it's sometimes difficult to ascertain is the rebuild cost of that property. That's always the key. Now we have ways and means of helping out. We have uh, some desktop re- uh, building value- valuers from an insurance perspective that can help out. We'll also ask about what works are you going to do? Is it, is it, is it serious work? Is it, is it uh, structural or is it just basic redecoration? How long is that going to take? How much are you going to spend? Uh, so we'll take all that information. <clears throat> we'll do a wee bit of research ourselves on the property. We'll put together a presentation because generally speaking, the unoccupied properties or, or, or those with unusual tenancy or unusual works, we're not gonna, it's not going to fit through a, a, an online portal or a go-compare style comparison thing. So we'll have to submit this manually to underwriters. We'll go to a number of insurers, uh, give them all this information, and they'll come back to us. And different companies will ask different questions yeah, sure, along the yeah. way. So with the best will in the world, we'll get 90% of the information we need. But an insurance company might say, well... Because you're doing this, we want this extra information. The next company might ask something slightly different. So there may be a little bit of training and throwing that goes yeah. on before we can actually provide a quote. Um, so once once we get all that information back, the insurers put forward their terms. It depends on where you are. There could be um, blood issues, which which is becoming more, more prevalent these days. So, yeah, there needs to be time to do our due diligence, to do our marketing, get information back and forth, uh, and then be able to present our best terms to you guys yeah, in a timely fashion. And one of the things, uh, interestingly, just on the desktop one, we recently yeah. went through that exercise, didn't we, on yeah. um, the courthouse where I felt the value was a little bit low, um, but mm-hmm. we didn't really want to get another value out to come out and say, yeah, yeah, it's going to cost you X, Y, and Z. So we had to pay a fee, small fee to whoever yeah. it was that did it, but I think maybe 150 quid or something like that, Roger. It's not, I don't even think it is that. Um, I think you get away with... Um, off the top of my head, it's something like 136 pounds. Right, there we go. Um, yeah, I think then, a, they do then, desktop yeah. valuation using Google and information they have online and whatnot. And after a, a week or so, they'll provide us with a fairly accurate um, insurance. Well, it's not insurance backed, but it's insurance approved desktop valuation. And whilst it's maybe not the be all and end all, insurers are at least happy that something has been done to. Address possible under under insurance is a huge thing in the, in the insurance industry. That's exactly what um, I'm going to come on to. Is that, that the topic, amount yeah. the amount of properties uh, that are underinsured, uh, often just innocently, um, is 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 frightening. Some of the statistics that we see day in day out. I, I, I mean, a, a lot of people I think look at insurance as a cost, right? And and it is a cost. Ultimately, it comes off your bottom line, but yeah. it's not a cost to necessarily find the absolute cheapest because if something does go wrong. Um, mm-hmm. Then it, it the cost could be astronomical. Right. So so just just 
if somebody is underinsured, let's say they've got a building, they've insured it for a million quid, but actually reinstatement is one and a half. The, the worst thing happens. We need to re- do some reinstatement. What What is the implications then? Are they just half a million quid short what, or is there some other um, yeah, knock-on effects? Uh, 99 times out of 100, uh, insurers will have what they refer to as the average clause. So that's in place to prevent against underinsurance or deliberate underinsurance, perhaps, to save money on premiums and whatnot. So your example is a pretty good one. So if it's a million pound rebuild on the insurance paperwork, but in actual fact, it's 1.5 million. So effectively, you've only insured two thirds of yeah. what you should have done and only paid premiums based on two thirds of what you should have done. Therefore, if there's a claim, uh, they are highly likely that they will only pay two thirds of your claim. Yes. Uh, now there is parameters. You don't have to be. You know, it's, it's not like, well, you're ninety five percent. You're not ninety five percent correct. So we're going to deduct you. Five. They're they're not that bad, but you know we're talking maybe it depends on the insurance company. But seventy five percent, eighty percent, maybe if you're if you're yeah. roughly right, you should be okay. But yeah. if it's massively insured, and that's just to stop uh, deliberate under insurance and deliberate cheap premiums and whatnot, and people trying to cut corners. And and I think the other aspect is that it, we might buy a building for five hundred thousand pounds. But actually, it's a second-hand building. It's been discounted because this reason and the other. And actually, rebuilding it could be three million. Correct. We get that um, all the time as well. Yeah, and and we a lot works. of people think, yeah, I'm going to insure this for five hundred grand. But actually, no, 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 you can't because if you have to rebuild it, it's going to cost you a lot Correct. more. And that's where that comes in. Yeah, and that's one of the issues that we face all the time. Is the first question we ask: What's the rebuild cost? Well, I bought it for X, but the insurance company don't don't care if you've inherited it paid a pound for it, paid fortune for it. They just want to know what are the bricks and mortar, uh, the debris removal, what is it going to take to replace that property and put it back to the, the current yeah. state that it's in. So. And, and one other aspect of that is insuring income. So we're, we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but if you've got a well-occupied building, it doesn't matter if it's well-occupied, you've got an income there yep. and something happens, that income stops. Yeah. So you can often add in, whatever the number is, a figure for covering your loss of income. What, what's the what's kind of the average time frame people do that for now? Or what's the recommended time frame for that? Recommended is longer the better, <laughs> given planning, given the state of the construction industry, how long things just physically take these days. So uh, in the past, we've often seen, tw- it, it probably started out long before I was in insurance with a 12-month yep. indemn- indemnity period, as we call it. And that's just not sufficient in today's world. It needs to be at least 24 months and yeah. quite often 36 months um, is provided by certain insurers. And you're right, as you say, you have a rental income coming in from the property. So if there's an, an insured incident, a fire or flood or something like that, you know, your the property side of the, of the policy will pay for the construction repair, whatever it is of the property. But, you, you know, your tenants have had to move out or you've lost your tenant. You've lost that income, steady income. So, that's where the, your, yeah. as we refer to it as the business interruption section of your policy. And in the case of property, landlords and property owners, that's, that's rental income. It makes up your loss of rental income for that period, as long as there has been an insured incident, yeah. i.e. a fire, a flood, etc. And, and it doesn't add a huge amount to the premium. No, um, no. Um, not as much as you would think. Yeah. Uh, and it is critical once there's an incident happens. Yeah, you, you know. If everything stacks up, you'll get your property rebuilt, but that could take two years and you've lost that oh, yeah. 
income stream during that period. And that goes back to what you said, basically, cash flow, et cetera, as well. So, yeah, that, that's exactly what that section is designed. And it's, it's, only a, it's only a smaller part of the overall uh, premium as such. Yeah, I, I think you, you are realistically, if you've had a problem on a building, it's going to take just a period of time to overcome it yeah. <laughs> in your mind and all the, the, the problems that it brings. But actually planning permission, clearing site, starting construction, choosing materials, and then finally open the doors, and you may not have those customers anymore. So getting yourself back up to a, uh, the same kind of level of income, yeah, disruption is going to be a considerable period of time. Yeah. Yeah, and something we see all the time in the insurance industry, whether it's landlords, property, it could be a shop, you've lost your customers, you've lost your income. It's a, so it just depends on the trade. What yep. you are, that 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 type of cover is, is critical. Yeah, Okay. very important part. Brilliant. All right, so I just want to ask um, about those three different phases. So if we're, yeah. we're looking at buying a building, it is unoccupied, or maybe there's a partial income on it, partial occupancy. But basically, it's a it's a new property to us, and you know people don't always think about getting the insurance quantified beforehand. But maybe you could just give us some examples of properties where either a it's been difficult or actually impossible. Mm-hmm. But what are some of the things people need to think about? Like, I mean, a good example would be in a flood risk area. That's a, a no brainer, right? But there may be some other ones there that are circumstances where actually you really need to be paying attention to how much this is going to cost you. Yeah, definitely. So again, it depends on the construction of the property. If it's, if it's fairly standard, there's nothing out of the ordinary. Great. Um, flat roofs on property is always a, a, not a huge issue, but something that the insurers will pay a lot of attention to yep. and perhaps put clauses on the, on the policy to keep that uh, in check. You rightly said location is always a huge thing. Um, so, is it in a flood? All the insurers have, have sophisticated flood mapping these days, and it varies from one insurer to the other. One, you know, one insurer will say, "No, it's a it's a red flood zone. Don't want anything to do with it. Highly likely to flood." The next insurance company might say, "Well, yeah, okay, we see that, but we just want to charge an increased excess or something like that." So again, it varies between insurer, but yeah, location for flood. Um, they ask questions about where's your nearest fire station, all, all these sorts of things. Location to do with uh, where? Where is it in terms of is it in is it in inner city? Is it an industrial estate? Is it in rural? And that might bring on other things into the equation like security. Yeah. Um, has there has there been a history of arson? Uh, we came across a property recently which came up with a high arson risk, and that was in the middle of Cowden Beath. Uh, I suppose that I probably shouldn't have blurted that out in case anyone's buying a property on Cowden Beath, but. Uh, yeah, okay, it has its issues, cotton beef, but I didn't think it was that high in the scheme of things for arson risks. Uh, and that became a, an issue with one insurer. And all we were trying to do was insure an unoccupied cafe. So uh, all, all these factors can come into it. It's um, not, not 221 High Street, is it? <laughs> it's It's got a two at the start of it, but no, not yeah. 220. <laughs> So, yeah, and of course, you know, one of those high-profile things, depending on where you are in the UK, is flood. Um, so a lot of our friends in Cumbria and Yorkshire, etc., or anywhere beside rivers, etc., will have issues with flood. Uh, and that's not to say we, we may come back to you with a, as you said, what's difficult to ensure. We may come back to you and say we are completely drawing a blank because of where you are, um, because you're beside a river, because it's, it's terrible flood rating. 
But there are ways and means to get around that. If, if you really think it's an issue, uh, we have an add-on product, what we refer to as Flood Flash. So Flood Flash is a quite simple thing where some boffins came up with an insurance product based on a piece of plastic with some electronics in it. And you set your parameter as to how high you think the water might come into your property and how much damage that might do to your stock, to your contents, to your whatever. As soon as there is an incident and it hits that level that you've agreed, they pay it out within days. A very interesting product, um, very specialist, very niche. Um, There is a cost attached to it, but there's no questions asked. Um, You will will receive a payout if if the water goes up to an agreed level. Um, They will pay out an agreed amount. So there are ways and means to get around most things. Uh, I think the only thing I've stumbled across in the last sort of couple of years that I've really struggled with was a former mill uh, just again because of its location, its age, the uh, usage, etc., etc. Yeah, that's really, really difficult. Listed buildings are always a little bit trickier. We get, might have to get a little bit more information about them. Um, so yeah, type of property, what you're doing with it, location, uh, they're all key parts. And again, that's all to do with the time, the time thing. Lead, good lead-in times that we can, yeah. we can have a bit of back and forth and get that extra information that we need. Maybe. Okay, so. So that's the, the the early part of right assessing how much this is going to yeah. cost, and then we come to buying the building, maybe doing some redevelopment. So, yeah. what are some of the things that we need to think about around that? And and I'm not going to try and pin you down to numbers, but it'd be interesting to think, or at least to talk in terms of well, if you have camera security and a person on site and all the high level of visibility, yeah. you know, does that mean that actually in general, it's a 5, 10, 15% reduction. Because sometimes, and I know it's really difficult to put a number against, but yeah. but sometimes it's worth understanding what the trade-off is because it actually might be cheaper to do one to offset the other. And yeah. so I'm not saying, yeah, give us exact numbers, but it's just, you know, some of those things that during that development period that would help reduce premiums. Yeah. So in terms of security, yeah. That can be an issue. Again, like I said, where, where you are, uh, your location, is it is it in a, a built-up area, inner city? They may ask for high, uh, higher security, given the value of the property, sorry, the rebuild value of the property, given the potential works that are going on, that there could be issues that way from a liability point of view as well. Yeah. So the, the insurers themselves may insist upon certain things, that there may be fencing around it. Um, that combustibles must be cleared away at all times and r- regularly. And I have seen instances where they will ask for security. I think the days of having a security guard walking around the premises through the night, that's probably a little bit old-fashioned. Yeah. It's not out of the ordinary. Um, artificial intelligent CCTV seems to be quite popular at the moment. Yeah. Um, your question about how much that might save on premiums, probably negligible. To be brutally honest, it's probably more of a requirement yes, that the okay. insurers may put on you, depending on your location, depending on the value of the property, um, the works that are going on, etc. So, unless they stipulated that you had to have these things in place, it probably isn't going to save you money by by that's doing that. First yeah. So that's part of, I wouldn't say negotiation, but it's part of the discussion to understand whether that's going to be needed or not, because some may say. We need that. We're not. We're not going to give you insurance if you don't have that covered. Exactly. We we have a few high profile 
very large, I suppose, are building sites at the moment in yep. Edinburgh that are that are former former commercial buildings that are being turned into luxury apartments, uh, it's townhouses, etc. It's a huge site, and if somebody got in there and started to raise hell there, havoc, yeah. that's from a liability risk as well as the, as this physical value, uh, the financial value of, of a property. It's yeah, they have to insist upon these things. But yeah. like I say, um, they're more they're more open now to CCTV with um, monitored CCTV would probably be a better way of saying it. That somebody's on hand to. Put a call into the police, put a call into the key holders, etc. straight away. But most of the time, these are things that will be insisted upon as opposed to the client yeah. offering them up. Great if they do. That's great. That'll help them underwrite it and probably be more keen to write it. But will they provide much more of a premium discount? Probably negligible. Yeah. It's, it's the age-old classic of, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent, age-old classic of having an, uh, an alarm on your own house. Brilliant. Great. If you tell your insurer, though, they would insist upon you having that alarm on all the time. Anytime you're out of the property, you may be at the bottom of the garden drinking a gin in the sun. You should have your alarm on technically because you're not in the property. Yes. That's an extreme case, but it's things like that. So unless it's really necessary, sometimes that's the sort of thing, unless it's insisted upon, you know, it's, it's not going to make much difference to your premiums. Yeah. Okay. Um, I th- thought there it's popped back out of my head um some of the Sorry, issues we've just spoken, no no it's fine it's, you took us down the security route again that's what it was <laughs> um <laughs> but the different state you're talking about the different stages of yeah. so we, we, initially we'll ask where 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 is the property what is the property what is the intended use of the property what are you going to do to the property then you know six months 12 months whatever it is down the line you may say right works are finished great so we can go back to insure and say Works are done. Property's lovely, neat and tidy, ready to go. There's still an issue of an occupancy, which to an insurance company and insurance underwriter is still a, an issue and that it's still not monitored regularly. There's still um, there's still a risk there as such. So uh, that will change things. They may provide more cover. They may reduce your premium. There may be things like that. But the, the key then is when you get your tenant. To, and even partial tenancy is better than nothing. Um, to an underwriter, that is perfect. That's just what they want. They want a nice, newly refurbished, good to go office block, shop, cafe, whatever it is, uh, with a tenant in it because they know the tenant's going to be in it. That's their place to be. They'll take good care of it. Um, they're not worried about people coming in and setting fire in the middle of the night or vandalizing, etc. They know there's a presence there regularly. And that's when you will notice that your premium will go down to a level, a normal level in terms yeah. of landlords, property owners, insurance. Yeah, so when redeveloping, it is a cost that should come down. It's probably higher right. than you anticipate to start with because Initially. of that lack of occupancy, but then right. it should continue to come down. And it's important to keep referring back to your broker to say, look, this is the state we're at now. This is the state we're at now. That sure. is actually, just remind me really of the bit I want to talk about, which was just that question of, occupancy when you take on a building let's say it's that age-old thing about you take on a multi-let building you as the owner then right this is now my project you go and park up spend your time in there most of the time and i'm sure many of them say to you well i'm occupying the building Mm -hmm. there's two of us or three of us or five of us whatever it is it's a twenty thousand square foot building and roger you're like well 
this five view? Are you really occupying 20,000 yeah. square feet? Um, yeah. Do you use mobile phones to contact each other? Or <laughs> So, <laughs> so it, it's a That's tricky a one, right? It is a tricky one. So I just want your take on that because it's something that people do think right that's the way i can work away at my premiums we are now fully in the building we're looking after we're walking around it every day um we're in there with our architects and whatever it is and we've set up shop basically and we're there nine to five just tell me the nuances there of how that works on a premium yeah it's, it's mainly what's going on that, that you're it's, it's, it's a great point we've often had people call us and say yeah but i'm in there you're occupying a small office or porta cabin in the corner or something like that. The property's still unoccupied. There's still works going on. So it's maybe more of a liability risk at times than more so than anything. So um, there may be trades, yep. tradesmen in there doing certain work. There may be structural work going on. So at that stage, it's more maybe of a, of a, a liability risk. There's work going on there as opposed to 20 multi-let offices where everyone's sitting on a laptop working on that's to an insurer that's occupied yeah and um, even even there could be instances where you know you've got three quarters of the property occupied that's not bad from an insurance point of view that's okay that, that's yeah. that, that's that's better than nothing sort of thing so that that should be deemed fairly favorably if you only occupy less than a quarter of the of the property that's starting to become a bit more of an issue it may be that you know some certain parts of the building aren't being monitored. There could be a there could be a burst pipe uh, that that isn't discovered for a few days. There's a there's a myriad of things that the the under the uh, insurance underwriter will worry about and stress about and fret about. So um, yeah, you're right, you're exactly right. There are people probably there on site all the time, but until it's fully occupied and normal people doing their normal day to day business, that's that's occupied in the eyes of a. Yeah. Okay. So I guess it's just being always being open, giving all the facts. So as an example, there might be a period where you do buy the building, you are occupying it. Okay. I appreciate you might not be um, spreading arms and legs over the entire building, but you're, you're basically in there. It's fairly open. You can see everything that's going on. You're not doing any development work because you've got architects coming in you're doing your planning permission, which we all know can take quite a long time. Yeah. And and during that phase, it might be that actually the liability risk you're talking about isn't really there. So that's a discussion, right? And then there's the, right, well, now we're actually, we've got planning permission. We're now breaking ground or, or getting on with work. Yeah. And that's when it changes. But it's a different element of the insurance. It's almost right? a different element of risk, yeah, exactly. Right, okay. And one, one other thing that I haven't mentioned, uh, and it's, it's, it's always important, construction's always important, is, is there concrete floors, is there wood in the building, et cetera? Sure. Those are, those are critical rating factors. And another thing that insurers always ask and always will ask is, what heating is in a property? They yeah. are very, very fussy about that. Is it gas, electric, oil, um, fixed radiators, portable, portable radiators they don't like? They don't like um, space heaters, these sorts of things that almost... Shoot, shoot a flame out uh, that you often get in, in motor trade and in garages and stuff like that. They don't like these. So that's another factor yeah. to build in. It could be things like that. You have a portable heater whilst it's unoccupied in the corner where, where you have a desk. That yeah. to an underwriter could be perilous. That yes. there's, a, there's, a, there's a portable heater sort of thing. But it's a factor that they have to read in. So, uh, yeah. Okay, great. All right. So for those that are, I guess, 
they've maybe gone through this process for a resi, but it tends to be a single let. Once they're in, they're in. If they're not in, they're not in. There's an element of liability risk when you're doing redevelopment. But in terms of commercial, there's a lot more shades of grey there. Mm-hmm. And this is really where working through as transparently as you can with yeah. your, um, and that's probably not even the right phrase, just with as much information as you can with your Correct. broker to ensure that you are getting the right insurance and also mm-hmm. the insurance, the underwriters have a good picture of what's going on. So you get the right exactly. price, not exactly. necessarily a higher price. Just the and, right there's, price. and there's no, there's no scare. There, there's nothing scary when there is potentially a claim. Yeah. And you realize, well, I, I didn't tell you that. I didn't tell you there was part of it was unoccupied or not. And, and the insurance company then will say, well, hold on a minute. That's not how we under, under, had it, underwrote it. So that can cause issues at that point. So, yeah, open, transparent. And we as brokers in the middle, we want to make sure that you're getting the best possible cover uh, at the right premium. And we're giving you the, the best possible advice at all times and, yeah. and staying close to you and making sure you're in the right place and, and have the right cover. Great. That's fantastic. That's a great, uh, great summary. Thanks, Roger. Hi there. I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be your first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.